Hello, welcome to the podcast of Startup Recruitment Failures. I'm Indra, founder and CEO of JobRealife. Uh, we are building AI for outbound recruitment. And today my guest is Zhao de Susha Orosha, founder and CEO at Leadzai, board member at Sienda, non-executive director at Oscar, and non-executive director at ProGrow. Zhao, could you please introduce yourself and your companies? Hi, my name is Juan Rose, as you said. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of Leadzai, and that's actually my real job. Um, the rest of the very nice titles you read uh, on LinkedIn, they're non-executive parts takings that I have on certain, well, in two companies and, and one association from, from the industry where I, where I work at the Leadzai. So at Leadzai, we're a platform, we're a customer acquisition platform. So we use AI to create hyper-efficient campaigns to help our customers acquire more customers. Okay, and I already I, I read that you're already using ChatGPT. Uh, yeah, we're using uh, GPT-3 from OpenAI. Uh, we've been using it uh, long before ChatGPT. <laughs> so, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so nice. we've been working for, for quite some time with OpenAI's technology. Okay. That company is amazing. I'm personally a huge fan of, of their work. And we've been very fortunate to work with their technology since 2020, I guess. Okay, so, yeah, wow. So it's been quite That's some time <laughs> Nice. Okay, and so I, as we talked, uh, you are already more than 50 people company, yeah. and I believe that uh, you have some recruitment failures <laughs> too. Yeah, we do. So um, I think that the most, the most common failure, and, and just to make it clear, I, I think that there are mainly failures from our company, not from the people that, that, that we're recruiting. Um, I think the most common failure that we have is hiring someone and that person quitting after after a month or so. Okay. So I think that although it doesn't happen very often, I think it happened like I don't know two or three times uh, in the in the in the company mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, it's always it's always a big failure because not only for the company because we go through the entire process of finding the right person of recruiting them, um, and then a month in, you know, they just quit. Mm-hmm. Most of the situations, if not all, uh, or at least all that I can remember, um, it, there were there were cases where a month in we were obviously we completely understood that it wasn't the right fit. Just mm-hmm. the candidate was the first one to decide to make the move and and decide to leave. And yeah, they're just you know they're just ridiculous failures from 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 our entire interviewing process. And they do happen, you know. Every now and then, everyone thinks they're talking about the same thing and they're talking about something really different. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it is what it is. And we, we try to overcome them as quickly as possible and, you know, move forward, reopen the recruitment process. More often than not, hire the, the second candidate where we had some questions or some doubts or something like that. And at the end, they, they, they prove themselves to be amazing hires. And, and yeah, and we were just lucky that. Yeah, I think it's inevitable, right? Yeah. You cannot 100% to be sure. But in these three cases, uh, what have you done differently? Or in any, like, one case of out of these three? I think that those were the cases that I'm thinking of. Um, they, were, they were for head of teams. I think that those were the ones where we had, uh, where we had people uh, quitting quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we have a, a, a nice average, uh, you know, time that people spend at the company. So I'm quite happy with that. That's mm-hmm. something that we look at. Uh, although we're not hugely obsessed about it, because I think we made peace with, peace with the fact that 
Yeah, most companies, most tech companies, even huge companies that we obviously admire, the likes of Google and you know Facebook, LinkedIn, what have you, they their average is like three years or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's it, it's fairly normal that in today's generation and in technology world, new normal. You know, it is what it is. You know, there's there's a lot of pe- teams will change every every three, four, five years, what have you, and. In a lot of things, that's actually also healthy because you know new perspectives come and and you know we can't we don't we don't regret that that a lot because I think we keep on building a great team. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, obviously a month is a little bit a little bit too Not short. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> Not enough, definitely uh, for it to work. But they usually are you know managing management roles, but someone that is going to manage a team, and I think that that's where we fail the most uh, because it's very hard to to get the right profile. Because we have exceptionally talented technical teams, and then you hire someone to manage that team, and they might be perfect on paper, but then you know they're it's 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 a very difficult mix that you need to have. You need to be really good enough from a technical standpoint so that you know technical people respect you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they tend young tech talented. The younger tech talented generation is, is sometimes a little bit too arrogant with their skills. It is, especially with the current demand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're a little bit arrogant. So you know, they 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 always look at their at their superiors as uh, someone that needs to prove that they know more than them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And for you to be able to succeed in a role like that, it takes two important skills. One, you need to be technically strong, mm-hmm. but you need to be also a good manager and. Yeah. It's not. It's not an easy combo, you know, um, to get someone that is good enough from a technical standpoint that your team will respect you, it will respect your input, and that you'll understand what you can do to improve the team. But at the same time, you're good enough from a traditional management standpoint. You know, you know how to manage people. You know how to interact with them, and all of that combined. You know, it's it's not easy to find in one person. So, so yeah, I think that those were the roles where we failed. We failed spectacularly uh, in in the in, in in hiring people. Are you saying that the team itself resisted these uh, managers, or uh, what was the situation? Why? Would Definitely the team itself resisted the managers, mm-hmm. so that, 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 that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, looking back, we nonetheless, as a company, we failed spectacularly in getting the right profiles. We, mm-hmm. we, we did terrible hires. And they were amazing candidates. They are for sure doing great wherever they are today. So I don't, I don't think it's the candidate that failed. I don't think it's the candidate that didn't have the necessary skills. The candidate was, for sh- was great. For a different environment, and and most of them, you would see that they were amazing, even by looking at the profile and their experience that they had. So obviously, they're really good uh, what they do, <laughs> but they're they were a terrible fit for our Just particular culture, right? In our particular company, so and it happens, right? So so yeah, so that happens. I think that's where it happened the most. Was it because of the technical side or the like cultural aspect? I think it was almost always cultural aspect. So I think we were good. At, I think, yeah, and that, that was also the part. We, I think we tended to prioritize people that they would respect from a technical standpoint because knowing our team, that, that would be very important. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, but at the same time, you know, if they, if they don't know how to handle it, if they, I don't know, all of a sudden crash with with the team you know and they are you know you, you need you need strong management skills mm-hmm. 
uh, to manage a team of overachievers, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's, and that's, I'm super happy to say that that's what we have here. <laughs> So, so yeah, but it's, but it's a, it's a challenge to manage them. <laughs> so. How to check the cultural match, the cultural fit? How are you doing this now after <laughs> these learnings? Yeah, it's, it's particularly hard. Uh, yeah. I think it's the hardest thing for us to check. I think we can even check if on paper, the person has the right management skills. We can check the technical skills. The cultural fit is very, very hard. I think it was, I think it always was hard mm -hmm. to check that. Post-COVID in this hybrid from wherever you want distributed, remote, whatever environment you want to call it, um, it's, it's particularly challenging, mm -hmm. right? So I, I think the best we're doing is trying to make sure that, you know, in the interviewing process, you, you have to talk with peers, you have to talk with future potential reportees, you have to talk obviously with a hiring manager. So we try maybe to involve a little bit more than we did before. Uh, even people that whose opinion won't be ultra critical for anything other than the cultural aspect, mm -hmm. but even the way they perceive that person's skills tells us a lot about the potential cultural fit. I don't mm -hmm. know if you, you know if if a reportee uh, perceives that 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 you know that potential new hire technical skills uh, in a certain way, it gives us a strong hint on how the cultural fit might be. Um, of course, you know, doing all this remote or with a distributed team is even harder, right? Yes, but, definitely, yes. But yeah, but <laughs> Are you doing only formal interviews? Because uh, some startups I talked uh, to, what they're doing, they're inviting candidates for dinners or for parties. Google, for example, yeah. when they were selecting CEO, they invited 11 candidates for Burning Man, right? Yeah. To see how people are really behaving yeah. in different kind and extreme situations. Yeah. Do you have any experience with, about something with that? I think that that would be the way we do, like headhunting for very specific targeted positions, right? So I don't, I don't think we have anything of the sort in our normal flow, right? In our normal candidate flow. Because um, obviously, you know, it wouldn't scale. You can't wait for Burning Man every year to hire, to hire a, an intern, right? So obviously, that, that doesn't scale. But I, I think that on the everyday process, no. After a certain level, yes, because... For nowadays, it's almost no one, but there are a certain level of hire that I also talk to, mm -hmm. that I'm also part of the, of the interviewing process, uh, and I don't do formal interviews, so mm -hmm. that is always informal, mm -hmm. uh, right? And, and for very strategic, like, C-level roles and stuff like that, you know, everyone that I wanted to hire, I don't know, the last... The last Hire. I don't even know if I would call it a hire like that, but the last hire is our president and CRO. I don't know. I would say that the most formal conversation we had about him working or not was me chasing him <laughs> for almost an hour in the airport, waiting until last minute that he was boarding, you know, uh, with us having a conversation of how the future would look like, you know, and... And this was something that, I don't know, was long in the making because it's someone that invested in the company that has been a board member for quite some time. So, you know, we've been 
I think in the last year in seven or eight different countries together, uh, you know, for different reasons. But um, but yeah, but that, that obviously, no, it wasn't a formal interviewing process. So what I mean is for for the very high end, you know, um, and then for the very um, senior hires, yes. So, you know, for instance, our CTO, I hired him over lunch after we play, we played paddle together you know okay. so that's so yeah so that's that's <laughs> that for the very senior yeah mm -hmm. and when okay so when uh, we think about these three cases of uh, yeah. the head of departments you hired and uh, you started noticing that something is you know not yeah. matching something yeah. is not going right uh, what were your actions like how did you try to deal with that situation yeah, in this case, none was personally uh, reporting to me, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't me specifically dealing with the situation, mm -hmm. but the hiring manager, um, you know, first tried to talk to, to talk to the person, understand if there was an issue with the onboarding, tried to get more personally involved in the onboarding, see if there was someone from the rest of the company that could culturally help with the onboard for some reason differently, you know, we try we try to give different people, get different people in the process because there might be some personal difficulty um, in opening up, I don't know, or talking to the, the specific hiring manager. And yeah, the moment we understand it doesn't work, then we try to fire as fast as possible. And, and in all these situations, actually, we never had to fire anyone because people understand the same that we do and they just quit. Okay. So I think we never had a case that I can remember that we had to fire the person. So it's a common agreement, basically. Yeah, I think that in all these three cases was actually the, the, the employee's initiative. So it wasn't even a common agreement. He reached out and he said, it's not working, I'm leaving. And yeah, we, we agreed. <laughs> we were also thinking the same, but I think that we were giving it a little bit longer to try and come up with a solution. And, and you know, and they understood a little bit quicker and they said, yeah, it's not working, bye. <laughs> I think it's a hard task uh, in general, right? Because it's like easiest and smartest way is firstly to hire the head of department and there, then to build the team around. Yeah, uh, if you have already some structure, right? Mm -hmm. the, the issue with a lot of startups, right, is that you're not going to hire, uh, you know, when you're starting your company, a uh, head of development or a head of backend development or what have you, right? And at the end, in, in our case, the, the, that type of role was like mid-management. So at the end, the issue is we have a CTO, obviously, right? And we have a CTO and the tech team grew to a point that it wasn't doable no longer to report to, to CTO. And our own development team didn't want to become team leader. So we had one specific team that the team leader was in-house was in because they wanted to. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the team, no, no, no. We really like to you know, write code. That's what we like to do. That's what we do. That's what we want to keep on doing. So we don't want to be team leads. There, there was no obvious candidate for that. And I think that one of the most common mistakes startups and, 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 and other companies do is that you tend to promote people that are good at their jobs until they find a job where they're useless, right? Yeah. So and I think that because you're an amazing developer doesn't mean that you'll be a good manager of developers, yeah. right? So. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So, I totally agree yeah. with that. But is it easy uh, to deal with people because everyone wants, you know, to grow into their career, right? Yeah. And they expect that if they were first, they will be <laughs> the manager. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a generational thing. Okay. While, and it's not that I'm 
hugely different from the people that I hire, right? I'm 35 and I would say that the average for developers and, you know, the younger people in our company should be like, I don't know, 25, 27, something along the lines of that. <laughs> so, yeah, let's assume junior me developers, which tends to be 25, 27, something like that. I, th- I see a couple of differences between the way they think and the way that I think that I used to think when I was their age and other developers that are my age used to think when they were their age. So I think, one, we had career ambitions. I think they look at career more as something that shouldn't bother too much their personal life, right? Okay. So I think they look, at, they look at this a little bit different, right? I remember feeling a lot that the career was a goal, you know, a personal goal, what I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And I feel a lot that, you know, you're young, you're under 30, you know, I don't know if they'll eventually grow into the same mindset or not, but I do, I really think that, you know, today they look at it very, very differently. I remember I was 25 and I had career ambitions, right? And I think that they don't even understand what is it to have career ambitions, you know, ambitions is one thing, career is what's on the way while I'm doing those things, right? So I, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very different. And I think that they, they value money less than, than we did, at least, uh, in my experience. They value less than we did. They value way more learnings than we did. They value that way more, which I think is smart, by the way. Mm-hmm. But, but I think they value money less than, than, than we did. But that's their main concern. So I think that if they're being promoted mm-hmm. from a notion of I'm a junior developer to I'm a mid developer, that means that I grew in knowledge and that's something that they like to see appreciate to see you know the company recognize more than actually what that means from a management standpoint managing people or something like that I don't think that most of them have the same level of ambition on that mm-hmm. then if they reach like senior developer then I think that the other part that they are con- they're concerned is okay how does my salary compare to my friends and to others because because that's a measure of how much I'm appreciated or how much, you know, but, but that's it. They don't want to be taken advantage of, but, but that's it. I don't think we have, I don't, I don't think most of them, at least, at least uh, from, from our experience here, are way too concerned if someone comes from the outside and manages them. As long as they think that that person has something to teach them, mm-hmm. they're, they're quite happy with it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that young people don't have career ambitions, as you say, because of uh, current situation? Because if you're a manager, you usually earn less than your senior developer, right? Or is it a mentality switch in general? I think it's a mentality switch in general. Because I don't even think that they realize that quite well, at least the technical population. I don't even know if tech people understand that senior devs earn more money than managers. And I don't even think that they care. I really think that, first of all, tech people have only, you know, the tech developers have only have always been like a subculture in themselves, right? With, with different ambitions, with, with different goals, you know, very, very much into, you know, into the purpose of what they're doing, into, you know, into the technology that they're working in and learning more than actually, you know, the currency, I think for them is what am I going to learn? more than how much money am I going to make, mm-hmm. right? So I think that that's, that's a significant difference in, in the text of culture. 
And I think that the newer generation have, has concerns like, what's the purpose of the company? You know, well, what, I, what, what is this company doing? Well, what's the mission? Why, why am I going to spend my time mm -hmm. in this company? Why am I going to give them the honor of, you know, the voting years of my existence in the world to, to their purpose, you know? And it has to make sense for them, mm -hmm. um, you know, more than anything else. I, I know I, it always surprises me and I, and I find it amazing. I love it when I have my... You know, the person that is managing today, the front-end team, I think two days ago, sent in our internal communication software, right, on Slack. He sent, like, a message to the marketing team, like, asking for detailed KPIs on the marketing actions that we were doing, right? Trying to understand what the goal was. Because, mm -hmm. and again, I think it wasn't a matter of... And, and if you looked at them, it wasn't a matter of how profitable the actions were. It wasn't questioning coming from a bad place. I think it was really, I want to understand the impact of what is being done, you know? Yeah. Please show me the impact of what we're doing, you know? Show me how many people we're helping or, you know, how is our message coming across? And, and I think that a couple of years ago, you know, someone was managing a front-end team. I couldn't care less about marketing, you know. <laughs> but this is a very good sign because when you think about the employee retention, right? So people could relate uh, themselves to the company if they understand the company's uh, vision and where the company is going towards. And if a developer is just sitting and writing a code and having no idea about the business itself, how could they relate themselves? Yeah, 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 company, for sure, right? for sure. For sure. So understanding and being involved, it's uh, and if it's their own initiative, it's like an amazing yeah. sign. Yeah. No, listen, I, I think I'm I'm super bullish in the world with the new generation that we have because I think that again, um, I, I always feel I almost feel a little bit ridiculous when I'm talking about newer generations when I'm 35. It's not <laughs> like I'm like I'm a grandfather, but. Again, I think that there is some difference. I think, and I think that's noticeable by 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 everyone. And I'm quite I'm quite confident that the world is going into a good place with 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 the newer generation that we have. I think that the only difference that that I see in, in a way that is not as good as as others, we most likely that. And, and, and this is this is interesting because I think that this happens in a lot of fields and a lot of things. It's like overcorrection, right? So I think that in a way the generation before mine over-sacrificed a lot of things. And, you know, especially in Portugal, it was like the country of poor people and everyone was almost proud of being poor and miserable and all that. Then we have a, a generation that tries to overcorrect that and wants to put Portugal on the map, and it's like we're going to be the new Silicon Valley, or I don't know what. You know, it's almost irrealistic and childish the the, the type of approach that that exists afterwards. And then you have a newer generation that kind of wants to correct that to the other way again. And it's not that they want to go back to be poor, miserable Portuguese people, but you know, but they try to compensate and to overcorrect something from previous generations. So I, I think that. In, in this entire process, I think that we're in a moment where this, the notion of sacrificing myself at work kind of completely disappeared. You know, I think that new people are definitely not willing for any... They, they, they have that feeling that work should always be fun. Mm -hmm. 
and should always be great and should always be you know and sometimes it's not you know sometimes it just sucks and it does and, the, and it should because yeah. it's a work right <laughs> yeah and it, and it is what it is right and and someone needs to do it and yeah. you know and there are things that are not very pleasant to do at work and yeah there are a lot of days that I don't particularly enjoy what I'm doing and it is what it is and I have to do it it's it's, it's my job right and I, I think that that understanding I think it's great, like, like Steve Jobs said in, in, the, in the famous speech in Stanford. I think it's amazing that if, if you look in the mirror a lot of days in a row and you're, you don't like the, the day that you're going to have, then you need to change something. And that for sure, right? But, you know, that's, that doesn't mean be absolutely intolerant to anything that is not to your liking, right? Yeah. And, 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 and I think that that's the only, the only thing that got a little bit lost And, and we need to eventually figure out a way to, to go to some middle term um, yeah. and all that. Yeah. Other than that, I'm super bullish with, with the way the new generation looks. And, you know, and if they have a sense of purpose, they're willing to sacrifice themselves for the greater good. At that, I think, it's a better level than it ever was. So. Yeah. What I find really, uh, like... Uh, beneficial and as an advantage is that uh, people don't sacrifice until they burn out, right? Because yeah. for me, I really need to buy aura ring and to do many things in order to stop working on time, have enough sleep, yeah. just to retrain, right? But yeah. then it's like normal. Why would you do that yeah, to yeah, yourself? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, that, that's, that's for sure. And that's something that we have uh, some concern here, here at the company and, and We're, we're, we're fortunate that, that nothing happened mm -hmm. uh, with anyone yet, mm -hmm. but, but it's something that, you know, we have like a company that we partnered with that they, they, they support, you know, our team and our team has like a couple of therapists that they can reach out to. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's all sponsored by us. You know, and they reach out to them, and they're they're on our they're on our Slack. They're always available. You know, you have mm -hmm. always like kind of a hotline. I'm not feeling well. You know, yes. uh, you know. So we we obviously you know we're concerned about that, and we want to be sure that that everyone, mm -hmm. uh, you know, stays stays within the reasonable level of stress yeah. uh, that that every now and then happens. So so yeah, that's 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 definitely a, a concern that we have. And, you know, personally, I also had to, and this was like my New Year's resolution, I also had myself to impose a couple of rules mm -hmm. and to be sure that I do what I need to do to, you know, not, not to... And, and, and at the end, it's, 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 all, it's obviously not to burn out, but I think I, I was never close to that. But, but I, I think at the same time, as people tend to forget this, but if you're in a good place mentally and physically, and, and physically, I think it's, it's the one that people forget the first... But I think that if you're in a good place, you're more efficient than everything else, right? Exactly. So for me, for instance, I know that I have, my day has to start with me at a gym, mm -hmm. you know? And there are days that I oversleep, obviously. There are days that I oversleep, I oversleep like everyone else, right? There are days that, I don't know, I have young kids where they make my life miserable. And for <laughs> some reason, I can't leave home whenever I want to because they decide that they need something from me desperately and there's no one else on earth that will provide, I don't know, whatever, playing with a tennis ball, what have you. So obviously, you know, there, there, are, there are all those days, but I know how important that is. And I, I make a point, even if it's like for 15 minutes, my, I'm lucky to live walking distance from my gym. I don't care, even if it's 15 minutes, that has to be my first stop. Mm -hmm. And if it's only, I don't know, for a quick run, 
quick shower and leave. That has to be my first stop. Mm -hmm. That is very important for my physical and mental health. Mm -hmm. It's part of my routine and that needs to happen. I need to feel that kick of energy because, and I don't know, even the extra 45 minutes that I could be working if I didn't go to the gym, you know, that productivity level for the rest of the day more than compensates for that. Mm -hmm. And I know that I think, obviously, while, while from, from a mental health standpoint, that's kind of obvious, right? If you're depressed, if you're anxious, if you're yeah. in all those things, um, definitely you'll be less productive. I think that people tend to forget that, you know, if you're physically fit, if, you know, if you don't have, you know, if your body doesn't hurt, if, you, if you're feeling good from a physical standpoint, you'll be more productive as well. Because, you know, your body drains a lot of energy of you from you if it's not optimized. So, you know, that for me, for instance, I know is huge. And I make a strong point and it had to be my New Year's resolution is that I go every morning to the gym. You know, I play tennis every week. I do, you know, I have to do the things that are critical for nice. me, you know, to... I wish everyone to do the same. <laughs> yeah, because this is number one. At least you could do to yourself, right? Yeah. Another thing is like mental health and it's uh, easier, I think, if you're working in a corporation. So startup environment is a lot of stress. Yeah. And I think what is being taken from great universities like Stanford, for example, I went there and when there is exam session, everywhere it's you can see the advertisement that go to the therapist, right? Yeah. Talk to people because, <laughs> of course, I mean, yeah. you're, you're under a huge stress, yeah. so you need to deal with yeah. that. And what do you think? Is it this trend? Because previously it wasn't very popular to say that I'm, you know, going and talking to someone. It's like maybe you have some real mental issues if you do that, right? How is it now? I think, again, this is a good example of overcorrection. I think that now it's not like it's a problem. Again, I think that this is an overcorrection from something that was wrong, which is it used to be a problem that people went to therapy. You know, it used to be bad, poorly perceived. Mm -hmm. Now it's almost poorly perceived if you don't go to therapy. Yeah. If you don't go to therapy, you're not in touch with yourself or something like that. You know, no, no I, you know, people don't have to go to therapy the same way that if people go to therapy, that's okay. You know, it's like mm -hmm. you don't have to go to therapy, but you know, it's okay if you do. And I think that again, this is a moment. This is. Again, a moment of overcorrection. All of a sudden, okay, now it's no longer a problem to go to therapy. Then everyone has to go to therapy. And obviously it's not like that. But I think this moment this moments obviously exists to make sure that things at the end, you know, go, go, to, mm -hmm. go to somewhere in middle ground, you know. And, mm -hmm. and honestly, I'm saying this coming from someone that does go to therapy, right? And, and I've always been comfortable with that, even though I'm... I still I started going to therapy long enough ago that it was badly seen. So, but I've always been comfortable with that fact. Mm -hmm. But but again, I do think that it's not something that everyone needs to do. You know, if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, you're not less in touch with yourself or what have you. If you don't go to therapy, you know, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. Of course, it's very yeah. personal. <laughs> yeah, it's very yeah. personal. Okay, good, good. And to conclude, what you would advise, like one thing, uh, if some other startup founder would come to you, started recruitment process uh, recently, what would be your key advice to that person? Don't hire people that you like, hire people that are the best for the job. Okay. I'm terrible at doing that and I think that that's why it's my best advice. I've never, 
ever been capable of making good choices in the people that I work with. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible <laughs> at it, uh, you know, and no offense to the people that I, I hired here for Leeds. You guys are amazing. <laughs> but, but I've always been terrible at hiring people because I don't have that skill. I don't have the ability of, mm-hmm. you know, putting myself in, in, in a place where I looked for the right candidates. I always look for people that I like. You know, I want to hire people that I like. I want to build a team of people that I like, that I would like to go to dinner with, that I would like to go out with. But you know. should like people you're working with, no? Again, you should like people that you're working with, but hiring people that you like and not, not, they might not necessarily be the best for that role. For instance, and this is a good one because it's actually, it's actually a, a, an example that I can name <laughs> the person. So, actually... I happen to be good friends with my CFO. Mm-hmm. I hired someone that I became friends like four years before. And I worked with him for, with, he was an investment manager in one of our first investors. And then I hired him from that investor mm-hmm. to join as a CFO. And I actually tried to hire him like a year and a half before I actually hired him. Because um, mm-hmm. he didn't, yeah. Back at the back at that time, he was still very engaged in the project that he was in, in that investor. So he didn't want to move, and I don't know a year and a half in, I finally convinced him to move. But I'm very very different than a CFO. Mm-hmm. I was actually very lucky to have someone close to me that I know that is a great CFO, and we're super happy. Mm-hmm. But I would never be someone capable of hiring a CFO because most of the characteristics that a good CFO needs to have. Yeah. would bore the shit out of me. It's impossible that I could ever relate to someone that is capable, you know, of doing the type of tasks and having the type of characteristics that a good CFO needs to have. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I chose this example because that specific person is actually a friend of mine. So that's, that's, that's an easy example. But it was just very lucky. But I could never, ever be interested enough To have a conversation with, 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 with that person. I would never relate. And yeah, most likely I wouldn't want to go to dinner with a potential CFO if it wasn't him. Yeah. Right? And it is what it is. Right? And I don't have to like everyone. You know? I just need to find the right people for the job. Because if, if, if we find the right people for the job, I'm really sure that we'll have a very, very good team and a great work environment. Right? And, and I, had a few, I have a few examples of situations like that. One of our best hires in the company, and there's no way I'm ever going to tell who that was, who that is, but one of the best hires, I had one of the last conversations with them uh, in the interviewing process, and then the hiring manage, manager asked me what I thought of that person, and I said, I very much had to struggle to keep myself awake, because so boring he was, you know, and definitely one of our best hires. But we just didn't click, you know, the person wasn't comfortable at all. And actually I had the opportunity of, of, of talking frequently to that person ever since. And I changed my mind. But back in that moment, you know, I think there was some institutional press pressure of, okay, now you're going to talk for five minutes to the CEO, you know, and, and actually we come from very different backgrounds and we didn't have a lot in common. And, you know, it, it was such a boring conversation. And If it was me leading the process, I don't think I would ever be able to connect with that person to the level that it needed to be connected. But super happy that I'm able to, you know, take a step back and say, no, that's definitely the right person for the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not someone that I related to very well, but but yeah, but I'm I'm capable of doing that choice. And I think that 
I learned that the hard way, which was in my previous startup. I, I always understood that I wasn't very good at, uh, at choosing people, at hiring people in interviewing process. So I asked the team, it was a, a, um, a role reporting to me. Mm-hmm. So I asked the team, okay, choose two candidates and let me choose between both of them because they're going to report to me. So I have to, I have to like them at mm-hmm. least a little bit, okay? And they're like, okay, we did that. So they presented to me with two final, uh, you know, two roles. This was like, I don't know, 2010 or something like that. So it was definitely in person, you know, definitely conversation in front of me. And I, I interviewed the two in, in a row. And I have the first interview, love the conversation, amazing chat, you know, super engaging person, person understand me really, really well, you know, great conversation. Second hire, got so boring, you know, it doesn't work. Yeah. No, 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 we're going to the first candidate. They're like, okay, hire the first candidate. I think that a month in, it was absolutely obvious. It was the Terrible choice. We couldn't get along no matter what. You know, we had good chemistry from, uh, you know, chatting. But every now and then you have good, you have, you tend to have good chemistry with people that are similar to you in a lot of things. But working with people that are similar to you in a lot of things for certain types of personality, and mine is definitely one of those, it doesn't help at all. (laughs) Right? So it definitely crashed. And that person, you know, we've, I think we fired her. And... The second one was still available, mm-hmm. was hired. Okay. Best hire ever. I think it was most like one of the best hires of my entire career. Worked with her very closely for four years. Amazing performance, superstar. By the way, still has exactly the same role, works for the people that actually acquired the company. Still doing the same because it was a perfect hire. It's a perfect match. He's super happy. He actually had a chat with her uh, very, very recently, like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Super happy what she, with what she's doing. Still doing the same. Everyone's super happy with her. Definitely the person that I wouldn't choose. So I'm like, you know, hilariously wrong in choosing people and and I, no, I'm okay one. with that. That's a very good one. I really like it. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it because of the first impression only or I really think that the type of people that I like mm-hmm. are not the type of people that I can work with. Okay. And which and funny enough the opposite doesn't necessarily happen. So the type of people that I easily like I don't work very well with them on a normal working setup, right? I think that, you know, partners go investing, all that is, is fairly different, right? But on a day-to-day executive, yeah. I don't... The, the type of people that I like, you know, from, from a personal standpoint are not the type of people that I work well with. But surprisingly, the opposite doesn't apply. So I start liking the people that I work well with, okay? okay. That's, but, that's so so that, that's, that's also relevant at the end, right? Because... Because yeah. it might sound that yeah, that poor me that I always have to to work with people that I really that I really don't like on a personal level. But no, but at the end, and, and I think that's that's quite relevant because yeah. then I think there's the type of people that you connect instantly and the type of people that grow, right? And I think the type of people I think that that's the clear distinction. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, that's fairly dangerous, right? And yeah. that goes back to the advice, you know, mm-hmm. hire people that you know that are good for a job and not the type of people that you can click immediately because. That might not mean anything, and the type of people that grow into you, those you know, those tend to be. Uh, it's more mature, yeah. of course. Yeah. It's more long term. Yeah. Great, great. So <laughs> thank you so much, Al, for your time and thank you amazing insights. And thank you to all the listeners for more podcasts. Please visit jabberlight.com.